Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your doctor of romance, codename Crapshoot. And I am the Cobra Trooper that replaces your chocolates with candy hearts. Oh, no. Legion Cub. <laughs> that's diabolical. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> almost as evil as, as my Easter plan of buying a hollowed out Easter bunny and cutting the bottom out of it and filling it with mayonnaise and then putting the oh. bottom back on. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm going to be out of commission for a while growing up. So continue without me. Uh, all right. Uh, please follow us on audible interlude podcast uh, on Instagram and Twitter at GI Joe audible. And we've got a few things to cover before we get down to business this week. First of all, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Scott Knightlick, also known as Toy Guru, who worked for Mattel for many, many years, uh, who is, quite frankly, a hero of the toy industry, has a new YouTube channel called Spectre Creative. Uh, lots of great inside information, not just about Masters of the Universe classics and DC Universe classics, but his thoughts about the toy industry, his experiences, and he takes a look at modern toy lines as well and has turned his eye to G.I. Joe Classified in an attempt to sort of figure out what's going on with the distribution and and it's all speculative but it's speculation coming from an expert uh there were two different videos one of them featured bobby vala 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 bobby valentine uh who is behind the forthcoming action force line which will feature sergeant slaughter and the steel brigade trooper and a number of original creations. It looks like a great line. I'm excited about it. I've backed, uh, I, I've purchased. Uh, back. I'm not quite sure. It's not Kickstarter, but he is doing crowdfunding. But you can basically, kind of like how Super 7 does, you purchase the figures and they're being made to order in a way, it seems like. Mm. So I've bought a number of the figures and accessory kits. Of course, I ordered a Sergeant Slaughter, who we may get to more about this episode, <laughs> depending on how our time runs. Uh, but I'm excited about his line. But he has a lot of opinions about the G.I. Joe classified line. And the first video that Spectre Creative put up was uh, attempting, it, it was supposed to address the distribution problems and why the classified series is so difficult to find at retail. Uh, we all watched this video, and it didn't really address that. It was more Vala's thoughts about the Classified series, uh, which he doesn't seem to be a fan of, and that that's fine. He can have his opinion on that. Uh, but after watching that first video, did you guys feel like there was anything in there that really addressed the distribution issues? And, and I don't want to – we're not trying to, uh, you know – talk bad about anybody but the video to me just didn't seem to quite hit the nail on the head yeah i kept waiting for him to talk about it uh but he didn't really ever touch upon that aspect of it so i mean I, he had some things i thought were interesting to stay interesting to say uh like i actually liked hearing him talk about how he was in charge of designing a six inch line you know a decade ago uh but that never came to fruition um but yeah he didn't really ever t touch upon what was supposed to be the subject of the video yeah, I would love to see uh, Scott Knight like actually maybe interview Bobby Valla, and and I'm sure these are out there. I, I honestly haven't pursued too many interviews with him, 
because he only really came to my attention last year at Joe uh, Joe Fest in Augusta. Um, but I would be interested in hearing about his Hasbro career and about his work on the, I think, Pursuit of Cobra line was mm-hmm. the one that he, he kind of brought to the forefront that he worked on uh, and, and mentioned that the six-inch line that he was looking to helm would, would have hewn more closely to Pursuit of Cobra. Uh, which would have been very cool. Uh, I, th- I think that's a very, I, it's not underrated because people love it. Uh, maybe underrepresented line. Uh, and then we got, after response to that video was, well, ranged yeah. from a very, well, it ranged from a very reasonable, the video is called distribution problems. And you guys don't talk about that to people getting more and more volatile about it and now it seems to have been pulled but then a second video was put up where knight like actually you know using his expertise speculated about some of the issues that are going on and i think the most valid point he brought up was that originally this line and we've talked about this on the show the classified series was supposed to launch alongside the snake eyes movie and sort of be support or or an additional line to a movie line so in the aisles, in Target or Walmart or wherever, there actually would have been about maybe not four feet of space, but more space than what it has, because part of it would have been for the movie line, which we've seen some leaks about what that's going to be. And then the classified series in a single strip of pegs beside it, which is what we see now. But because it's so small, it doesn't really have a home. I think the retailers... Uh, honestly, it seems to me that maybe Hasbro just sort of cranked out an initial order rather than the big fulfillment that it would have been if the movie had come out. Yeah, but it also, I think, begs the question, is G.I. Joe classified a all geared towards all ages toy line? Or is it geared towards the adult collector? And does the adult collector need to have a media tie-in to have a successful toy line? Well, I feel like we've seen from how good those figures are made, if you make a good product that already has some recognition, it's going to sell. Like word of mouth is going to build and people will want it. Well, I think Nightlick brought up a good point where he said that this one kind of is an adult collector line because what something that he mentions over and over again in his videos is any toy line that's in the toy aisle is still aimed primarily at kids and that they're expecting kids and moms uh, to be buying the bulk of the product, regardless of how many adults are collecting it. Uh, all that stuff is still relying on kids to be making most of the purchases, but a possible alternative for this line would have been to put it on that back wall with the actual adult collector toys. Now that target and Walmart both have those sections and focus it specifically at the adult collector. But then I don't think that distribution would have been any better than it is now. But I, that's where I think Hasbro um, misses the mark. Cause even like the McFarlane, uh, DC multiverse figures, you find them on the back wall and you find them yeah. in the regular toy aisle because in reality, how many kids is that line targeted 
towards. Well, and that's something I wonder about now is these six inch lines that, that, you know, we think of as collector lines, regardless of what anybody says. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I would be fascinated in seeing the percentages and the sales on those because I know, you know, my son who is 13 and who collects, but he's still, he does a lot more like posing and setting up scenes and dioramas. And like me, I open something up, I play with it a little bit, probably do a review on the Needless Things YouTube channel, which you should check out this Wednesday, where I'll be reviewing the incredibly hard to find Special Missions Cobra Island Viper. Uh, but I open it up, I play with it a little bit, and then it goes on the shelf where I probably am never going to touch it again, unless I'm dusting. Well, you uh, also look at percentages too. The reason why kids, they kind of have to still be geared towards children overall, because the majority of children play with toys. A very small minority of adults purchase toys for themselves. Right. So when well, it comes guess... down to it, you've got to get them in the eyes. You've got to get them in front of children, especially if you're carrying them in stores like Walmart and Target that are more general merchandise stores rather than, you know, just selling them online on a big bad toy store or something like that. Mm. But to Christian's point, like how many kids are really, cause my son doesn't like, McFarland's DC multiverse. He doesn't even really like NECA's stuff because they come apart so easily. They're so fragile. Yes, they have tons of articulation, but while you're posing them, the legs pop off, a, a horn breaks off. Like they really are adult collector items. And if a 13 year old is like, this is too, this isn't a toy enough for me, then I wonder how many kids out there are you know, getting these DC multiverse as opposed to something like DC universe classics that really did a good job of being uh, a kid's line and an adult collector line. And I, I also, <clears throat> I guess in my head, when I think of, of GI Joe classified, I think of star Wars black. Right. And, and, you know, they put out a kid's line of Star Wars figures. They went back down to five points of articulation for a while. Well, not anymore. Right. Not, not, any, not anymore because it didn't work. So, but they, they were marketed towards two different play styles, right. let's call it. Um, so that's why I, I wonder why Hasbro doesn't think that way for the classified Right. Line. You also got to look at how Star Star Wars is a lot more mainstream property, and many adults collect Star Wars stuff that you know just thinks of GI Joe as some as a relic from you know years and years ago. Well, and apparently yes. Black Series just sells like gangbusters. Um, yeah, it's it's across all ages and demographics and whatever else like that. That is the toy line. It's it's essentially the Ninja Turtles of right now. Oh, I, mm. I work with people who don't collect toys but collect Black Series figures Look, because our, they love Star Wars so wow. much. Our our pal Arian is collecting Black Series figures now, and he hates things <laughs> and stuff. Uh, but anyway, for uh, for any of the listeners who haven't checked out Spectre Creative, it's a great channel. Uh, and go back uh, probably about a week ago. And he's got a, a video up that's that's pretty informative. Informative, like I said, it's educated speculation about what's going on with the classified series, uh, and and you know there there are no real satisfying answers, but he's got good information in there that uh, makes the bitter pill that is collecting classified series a little easier to swallow, perhaps. 
Uh, and speaking of classified series, we've seen, uh, you know, we've got the repaints for Roadblock and Scarlet. Uh, and Duke, is there a Duke repaint? Am I making that up? I think I saw something about that a while back. Mm, drawing a blank. Maybe or maybe not a Duke, but uh, a Snake Eyes has been found as well. Uh, not, not as big a differences as Roadblock and Scarlet. Uh, he's got the, the red symbol on his forehead is gone. And his visor now has a gloss on it. And, and it actually looks really good. I might end up having to pick up one of these. The Roadblock and Scarlet aren't as interesting to me, but the Snake Eyes, uh, I like those differences. Uh, and then in other Snake Eyes news, did you guys see this <laughs> Fortnite Snake Eyes? Yes. That's a smart move, getting that into the hands of the Fortnite fans. Well, especially considering how many people made sort of drew parallels between the style of classified and and, and the uh, the game that we talked mm-hmm. about on the show and Fortnite. So to actually put out a Fort, Fortnite Snake Eyes, and he is in the game now as well. My mm-hmm. my son was playing him all night the other night. He said he's great. Uh, he has his uh, sword is his. I guess they all have pickaxes. And his sword is his pickaxe, but also his backpack. And then he's got some kind of like frosty foot power. I, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I, you're you're uh, talking a whole different language. I, I still don't understand this Fortnite phenomenon. But he looked pretty awesome in the game. Uh, and this figure, which is $40 for some reason, my guess is the licensing. Uh, he comes with a bunch of accessories, but it doesn't seem like Forty dollars worth to me for a twenty dollar figure. No, but those accessories are the majority of them are all one offs. So I think the tooling mm. cost um, is a factor there. Yeah, because the, the I don't even think these are. Fr- well, this is not. That's what's interesting about this is it's a Hasbro. Fortnite figure which has not been done so it's not like this is using anything from the Jazzwares Fortnite releases uh no he's a six inch figure so I figured it was using parts and pieces from the classified snake eyes it looks to me <clears throat> like a repaint well I'd see I don't know though these boots look different I think you're right. I think some parts are here, but there's a good bit of new tooling as well. I wish I could zoom in a little bit more. Um, but it, I mean, he's a unique looking snake eyes. He looks great. He's interesting. And I, I had to order one for me and one for, for Phantom <laughs> Jr. Cause I've got to have this different weird snake eyes with his plunger bomb or whatever this is, his little snowman grenade. Uh, but it's cool because, as we like to say, anything that gets G.I. Joe in front of more eyes is a good thing. Especially in a property that's that mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, to go back to, Christian, your point about our kids even playing with toys. Uh, no. I mean, that's part of the reason why the toy aisle keeps shrinking year after year after year, is kids don't play with toys like they used to. They play video games like Fortnite which is why these toy manufacturers are all just dying to jump on whatever the newest, latest video game craze is because that's their desperate hope. These kids like the video game enough that they're going to want figures from it, which has worked out well for Jazzwares and Fortnite. 
Uh, so yeah, this is uh, it's it's cool. I think it's cool. I think it's overpriced, but again, it's it's just neat that we're getting that crossover, and it can only lead to you know more fandom for GI Joe. Uh, all right, in other toy news, Christian, do you want to run down these new Funko Pops that we're yeah? So Funko Mania has been going on, um, and every week actually every couple of days it seems they're dropping information on on new pops um and we finally have a new gi joe wave coming out that features uh snake snake eyes uh in his g1 edition gogglehead uh which i prefer versus ninja snake eyes and then we get the baroness we get scarlet uh and best i can tell from the photos it's short hair Scarlet version, again, just like the G1 figure versus Ponytail Scarlet. And we get Storm Shadow uh, that looks to be based off of his Gen 1, but that head actually kind of looks like that 50th anniversary version with the loose fitting hood as opposed to the tight against the face. Yeah, this is a weird... And I'm just weird picky over that one. Well, what it looks like to me is this retro figure that yeah, just came it, out. Because it yeah. looks like he's got the long sleeves and the hood. He's got a red sword. Interesting this interesting to put him beside the commando snake eyes. And the you're right, it does look like it's a short haired scarlet. Mm-hmm. A more classic baroness. And then what is the I can't the image I've got is terrible. It's snake eyes and timber. Oh, yeah, that's uh, one of the exclusives, which I said uh, I I will buy just for the timber because that pop timber is way too adorable. Yeah. Four words. So, yeah, the little I have bought uh, because we've got a little pop collection here because there's some of them you can't resist. You see Mm -hmm. certain characters in that style and you're just like a bloody Stephen King pop. I can't not buy that. Come on. But there have been a few that I've bought just because of the little pop buddies are so cute. Uh, they did one of the aliens from Covenant, but it came mm. with the little baby Covenant alien. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. I have to have that. So they, they're, they're good at throwing in little, little things like that to entice you. Yeah, and you know, it, that very first G.I. Joe wave feels like it came out years and years ago, yeah, the one with Cobra Commander, Roblox, and then nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, last year we got Zartan and Shipwreck, and now this wave. So I feel like oh, they're finally catching up because there is a plethora of figures that they need to get to. Well, and I wonder if maybe it's a combination of just sort of how COVID has affected everything. It's very interesting. This is not GI Joe related, but it's, it was so interesting to hear. Uh, there is an interview on pixel Dan's YouTube channel with Brian Flynn from super seven toys. And he's talking about how COVID has has affected distribution for them. And he said, there's uh, chances are the third and fourth wave of Thundercats ultimates are going to ship before the second wave. That's how jacked up everything is right now. So I'm wondering if with these G.I. Joe pops, there's a combination of that 
plus the snake eyes movie being delayed because i'm sure funko wants to get in on that just as much as everybody else does for sure when you've got that media that's the time to really throw everything out there and get people buying your stuff so i, I wonder if it's a combination of of those things just as it is with everything else I'm glad they're seeing that there's a market there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's out of everything. You you want to talk about a universal collectible. I mean, that's pops or something that is there a home in America <laughs> doesn't have any pops in it. Noel, you've you guys oh wait. I, I we I we may have the only pop free home in America at this point. <gasps> right. That's because what? I I <laughs> actually because I was positive Noel did not have any pops. And I found, what was it? The Billy Madison Madison. bathtub. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like I have to get this for you guys, (laughs) but I don't think you have any pops and I don't want to start you down that road. And he was like, we don't. So I didn't get it. (laughs) I I try to be careful about that kind of thing with toys because you don't want to, you don't want to get somebody hooked on something. (laughs) I always try and make sure before I buy a toy for someone that they're already in it. Well, to be fair, if, if we were to get it, it wouldn't get us hooked because neither one of us are fans of Pops. <laughs> we're, we're not a fan of the aesthetic. You, you say that. <laughs> you say that now because we, I've started the same way. But what, they're like potato chips. This, If they ever do a remake of The Stuff, they need to replace The Stuff with Pops. <laughs> so every household has Pops, and then they all just meld into this giant plastic monstrosity that eats the world. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going on with Funko. Uh, all right. Um, so I already put over the YouTube channel, uh, Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, lots of G.I. Joe reviews up there. Lots of other toy reviews. But this Wednesday, uh, I will be reviewing the Viper from the classified series finally got one thanks to a friend of the show steve and uh last thing i wanted to talk about in the intro before we move on i have and noel you're probably going to be able to help me out with this maybe so i had an airborne figure that came with that big giant gi joe haul that fell into my lap Mm -hmm. and when i was changing out the rubber band his crotch broke and i seem to remember reading somewhere as i was looking more into vintage joes because i've only recently really started collecting them that that run had tighter uh the space between the front crotch piece and the butt piece is narrower than it is in any other series that night was it 84 83 83 yep okay so that would be the second series um that the 83 Joes for whatever reason, and, and if listeners, if you want to hit us up on Twitter uh, at GI Joe audible, please do. If you've got information about this, but I seem to remember reading somewhere that the second series of Joes have very narrow spaces there. And you've got to be really careful switching the rubber bands out because exactly what happened to me with this airborne can happen. So his front crotch piece snapped off, but I've got everything else except for, I, I didn't have his rifle. So on my list of needs, I had GI, or airborne, crotch piece and rifle well i I finally got to the point because he's one of my favorite early figures finally got to the point where i was just like you know what i i've got to make this happen because you don't find on ebay because we're not going to conventions right now you don't find like just crotch pieces in good shape or or whatever so i'll just buy a whole new airborne and i'll piecemeal it like the parts on mine look great 
Like it's in fantastic condition, except for that broken piece. So I was like, I'll just buy a whole new airborne and, and Frankenstein together, a great looking airborne figure. Well, I got the new one and he's got some scuffs on him. Uh, the uh, insignia on his left shoulder is a little rubbed off. His pistol on his right thigh is a little rubbed off. But once I took them apart and put them side by side, the new one that I got is completely different colors and it's not like fading. Like it, this is production, different colors. His, his tan parts are a more vivid tan, if that makes sense. Uh, so I couldn't put this crotch piece with the old legs like I wanted to, because this new one's got a loosey goosey right knee. Um, but I can't mix them up because the tans don't match. And then when I started getting down to it, the chest on the new one, I took one of the, I've got a bag of screws and I got them all together, put the chest together, started screwing it in and the screw stopped, but the chest was not pushed together. It had space at the top of the shoulder and all the way around you know how like when you haven't tightened it all the way there's still a little space so i was like what the heck is this so i you know gave it one more like a hundredth of a crank because you can't tighten too much of those things will shatter uh and it looked like it tightened up a little bit so i went to put his helmet on and when i turned his head it cracked the top of his back so I was like, well, darn it. So I was like, well, I can get away with switching the chests because there are no colors there that have to match the arms and the legs. Like there's a little bit here, but it's, it's, it's fine. It doesn't matter. So I put the other chest on and same problem, but not quite as much. So I look at my bag of screws and I have one screw that is very slightly shorter. Like I'm sitting there looking at the screws, trying to find one. Cause some of them have flat heads. Some of them are, um, you know, they taper down. Uh, and I have a one screw that's just a little bit shorter, put it in and screw it all the way in. And it's, it's tight. So the older chest or the chest on my original figure is the screw does not go in as deep as the one on the other figure. And I've used these same screws on every other Joe that I've refurbished. Never run into this. So this is weird. Then I look at the backpacks. The backpacks are also different colors of tan. And one of them, and you got, I bet you guys remember Airborne's backpack has a cross inside on the back. Like there's the peg and then there's like a molding pattern that's a, mm -hmm. a big plus sign. Well, one of them does not have that. It's just flat on the inside. Yeah, they did a lot of variations on backpacks. Um, like I know there's a, there's a Crimson Guard backpack that's hollow and then one that's more solid. And they did that sometimes in later runs to cut costs. It also, I think there was an accessory pack backpack for Airborne that was. Yeah, but I think it was a different the color. Same. I think for that one, there was one that was almost the same color. Though. Oh, like really? A, okay. If I'm not mistaken, I have to look that one up. Um, but there was a. I think there was a mail-in too of Airborne um, that has, I know it has some slightly different, it was a Hasbro Direct, okay, yeah, that has a glossy red. Oh, interesting. Backing, yeah, so it, there's two different, uh, two different uh, chevrons 
on the sleeve. Some of them are thicker, some of them are thinner. Um, so there may be some differences in like the Hasbro Direct, or it just may have been a later a later run. Yeah, it was very interesting. I haven't come across anything because I've, I've had to do, uh, you know, I've had to get new parts multiple times now, and I haven't run into anything like this other than like I, I had a torch, but it was clearly fading. Like the color difference was one was really faded, one was not. But this is not fading. This is just two different production colors. Very interesting. I- I'd be interested to look and see um, factory variations. Because what this sounds like to me is they did a run of Airborns at one factory. And then like you were saying, if they were, if you could buy them uh, direct, then a totally different factory would have made them. Therefore having, but I mean, the mulch, the screw yeah. part is getting to me. Yeah, that's well, that's the weirdest part of it is the difference in the chest construction. Because um, colors, very, very plastics, odd. stuff like that being variable between factories, yeah, you yeah. see that all the time. But the actual mold is, hmm. Yeah, it was it was a weird thing because there were it was distinctly two different depths in these chests the way that they went together but everything else about them well okay everything else about them is not the same because one of them was the blue of his vest was painted all the way into the collar because you know where his his head sits like into the top part there uh it was blue all the way down but on one of them the blue just went up here and then stopped it didn't go into the mold at all so they, they are painted differently as well. They're the same colors. Well, very, very slightly different, but like same color pattern, but the paint application is different. Interesting. Yeah, I just thought it was worth bringing up something. Uh, uh, variation, you know, most variations you see are, are like you said, just minor, like maybe different factories, very slightly different colors, but this is, this is a very different figure. Not not different like the lifeline I got different, but still. Uh, so if you didn't use the screw, if you had those two chest pieces, the one that, that had cracked on you, mm-hmm. and you held them together, would the different head have still fit perfectly in there? Because you were saying you when know, you screwed it, like there was this gap. That's so an interesting question. Are the neck sizes the same? I did not check that. I'll have to go back. Well, but because either way, the chest should go to, I don't know. I'll have to take a look at the heads and see if they're the same or not. We'll we'll follow up on that next month (laughs) for more exciting vintage talk. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, All right. You guys got anything else for the intro or is it time to move on? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling very romantic this month, so we should move on. Ooh, all right. Welcome, ladies and gents, to an all-new segment here on Audible Interlude, where we're going to talk about relationships in the world of G.I. Joe. That's right, it's time for Love is a Battlefield. So you guys, it's uh, February, love is in the air, romance is in the air, and G.I. Joe 
despite being a property aimed squarely at children, was chock full of tension and relationships <laughs> and hotness and feelings. <laughs> Many of us learned about love, relationships, and romance in the pages of Larry Hama's comic books and on the the uh, on the small cells, screen, the cells of. G.I. Joe, a real American hero cartoon. We're going to talk about some of the relationships uh, that, that were portrayed in G.I. Joe. And uh, where do you want to... I've been, I've been running my mouth all night long. Noel, why don't you start us off with, with a, a relationship pick for us to examine? Let's, well, what's I, the hot goss? Well, I, I was looking at it and looking at all the, all the different relationships that have been established over the years. And really... There's two that are kind of universally accepted through just about all media. Um, so, of course, I think number one is going to be Baroness and Destro because they are, with a couple of exceptions, they're almost always linked together romantically in G.I. Joe fiction. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, they are... He is, of course, this grand arms dealer who is, you got this steel cold heart, but as we've talked about in the silent interlude issue, like he loves that woman. He would do anything for her. Um, and of course, she is also a cold calculating uh, heiress from somewhere in Eastern Europe who is, you know, part of this global domination plot. But hey, once again, she loves her Destro and uh, they, you know, both in both in the cartoons and the comics and then in most other later incarnations, with uh, one very large ex exception in the live-action movies, uh, they're romantically linked in some way. Well, even in the live-action movie, it was there, but it was this weird Destro being obsessed with her to the point of mind control. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was icky. Yeah. Was one of the things I did not care for. Uh, about that particular interpretation uh but yes destro and baroness's love is is strong and at times treacherous but yes. i do think it's one of the most consistently portrayed relationships in gi joe he did kick her aside for zarana briefly in the dic series but you know <laughs> well he also straight up dropped her down a trapdoor bed in the cartoon yes which is pretty pretty <laughs> awesome <laughs> That's what I think the relationship is based off of. She is a very strong-willed woman who wants power. So I, I don't think there is any of the uh, the weak female tropes when it comes to the relationship. Of I think behind closed doors, it's him trying to one-up her and her trying to one-up him the whole time and that's what turns them on. Right, right. That's their that's their thing. That's what they're into. Mm -hmm. Like it, it may appear on the outside, like sometimes they're stabbing each other in the back or whatever, but they always come back together. Yep. Even in the episode where you know she 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 disguises herself. Uh, well, we just talked about it. It's the uh, oh shoot. Oh, it's, the, yeah, it's it's the, the we talked about it for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he somehow doesn't recognize her, even though he's very clearly, you know, sort of fooling around. At the end, they're still together. <laughs> what is uh, what's the other one 
the other one that's pretty well universally established is Flint and Lady J. Yes. Because they were together yeah. in Marvel Comics. They were together in the cartoon. And, and again, in most other media, they're portrayed as being a, an item. Either either they are an item or they're just kind of not portrayed romantically at all. I think they're the healthiest portrayed couple. Yeah. And I always love their... Because they were both like overachievers. Uh, you read the you read their file cards, and they're just they're both like almost perfect characters. Um, so you know it, it it makes sense that they would that they would find one another, and you know being the most educated members of the team, and you know both very highly skilled soldiers. Well, and their relationship never felt forced to me. It always felt kind of organic, and the any anytime they were depicted together it just seemed like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like the weird Duke and Scarlet thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was never a Duke and Scarlet was never explicitly stated as being a romantic relationship. If you really go back and watch those cartoons, they're playful and they flirt with one another, but they never kiss. The closest thing you get is in the movie where she's grieving over him slipping into a coma. <laughs> right. But it's still, as a comic book reader, it, it Duke was out of his lane. Well, and it's a comic book. Is it when well, the comic book Star- Scarlet and Duke weren't ever really? Nope. Well, no. But like, what I'm saying is, as a kid, you're reading the comics and you're watching the cartoon, mm-hmm. and you you want to reconcile them to some degree, even though there's so many things that contradict each other. You still kind of want these worlds to work. So when you're invested in the Snake Eyes and Scarlet relationship, as much as you you have to be if you're a comic fan, to see Duke being all flirty flirty with Scarlet in the cartoon kind of makes you not like Duke. Well, and if you if you think about what Duke's character really is intended to be, like he is he's this top kick sergeant. He doesn't have time to be messing around with with the ladies. Right. So it, it doesn't fit his character the way that Larry Hama wrote it initially. Um, but they did kind of play with it a little bit in, it was both in Resolute and in um, Renegades where they kind of teased there was a bit of a triangle going on with those three. And so it's kind of a subtle nod. They didn't really play into it too much, but they did it in both those, both those series, which both came out about what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Yeah. yeah it's been a minute yeah. now. And then, of course, there's the triangle from the single greatest internet accomplishment of all time, the ballad of G.I. <laughs> Joe. Yes. <laughs> She's seen the way he looks at Lady J. Don't... Well, and as we established, too, uh, in Cobra Clauses Coming to Town, uh, he and he and CoverGirl get a little flirty sometimes. Oh, yeah, when the pilot's away. Yeah. <laughs> Duke is the ladies' man. He gets around. He wants to be. He wants to be. He is not. Even in no. the original, uh, the original real American hero, when uh, Duke and and Snake Eyes are are in the arena of sport and they're being forced to fight in gladiatorial combat, uh, and at the end of it, uh, Duke is there with Scarlet and the little slave girl Selena. Yeah. yeah while yeah. meanwhile, uh, Snake Eyes is just over there petting his wolf. So yeah. <laughs> Snake Eyes never got any any love. In the, this is a family show, so that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those are kind of the basics we've gotten out of the way. Uh, I will throw in since since I sort of tongue in cheek mentioned the the whole Lady J uh, between 
Duke and Scarlet, which, which by the way, listeners, I'm sure you've watched the Ballad of GI Joe video. Uh, if you have not, stop what you're doing right now, even though it's listening to our show, and go watch that video because it's a masterpiece. Uh, an amazing cast. So, if we're going to mention that, well, we also have to mention Steeler and alternate world Baroness. Yes, one of the like legit most touching relationships of gi joe so worlds without end uh we've we've discussed as as being the great two-parter that it is and we find out that in this world baroness is working against cobra she's an undercover well I, i guess not even undercover agent like she's deep deep cover and she was involved with that world's stealer who is dead. So when the stealer from the earth that we've been watching for however many episodes ends up in this alternate universe, uh, she loses it. And we get this really touching emotional scene that, you know, we talk all the time about GI Joe being aimed at kids, but there's so many themes that were, the storytelling was very well done and the creators very clearly cared about getting some big emotional important beats in there. And this was one of them because her yeah. reaction to seeing her, her uh, romantic partner who, th- who she thought was dead is, is huge. That also another two parter that we've talked about extensively on this was there's no place like Springfield where shipwreck is brought back together with Mara, the mermaid girl yes. who he had, who he had met in the past and now coming to realize that she doesn't really exist in this world that he's been believing that she, she's not really his wife. She's a synthoid who is there to, you know, to extract information and possibly kill him. But having gone back and rewatched that episode, knowing that we were doing this Valentine's day thing, um, it, there are parts of classic shipwreck of there's a a scene of him and Mara right in the surf and she goes to like jump on him and hug him and he's like ah come on Mara like he is playfully pushing her away and then I think he has this epiphany of oh She can't be turned back into an actual human. I can have all the fun I want with her. (laughs) And she's going to stay here. And then I can go back to every other woman that I have in every other port and however many parrots. So every other woman he's been harassing throughout the history of the show. Yes. So I I appreciated that completely because we're like that that is shipwreck. <laughs> he's he's stuff. not gonna sit there and pine for some woman. He's gonna <laughs> let her think it for sure. But come on, baby, hail to the king. It's just pillow talk, baby. <laughs> Which is funny because Bruce Campbell was my shipwreck in my live action. Joe yeah, I yeah, twenty five years ago. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Uh, all right. What else have we got here? Okay, there is the, I don't want to say short-lived, but it, it really only got one opportunity to be featured, and that's Fel, uh, Falcon and Jinx, which was yeah. 
I didn't like that at all. No, I, because it, all I he don't does like is, it at all watching it now. No, all he does is harass her. Yep. And then, you know, tour is from uh, G.I. Joe the movie, the 1987 animated, not theatrical film. Uh, she kind of softens a little bit. I don't think they don't ever properly hook up, do they? Uh, I can't remember if they, I, they, I think they actually kiss at the end of the movie. They, yeah. Okay. So yeah, they, they, in, in, in 80s cartoon terms, they do. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's very uncomfortable to go back and watch that now because he is, he He's is creeping awful. up behind her while she is, you know, working on as a mechanic and just, it's really uncomfortable. Well, everything about Falcon is awful. Yeah, he's, he's one you. of the worst GI Joe characters of all time, uh, and and it stinks because his figure was so cool. Yeah, and he didn't have to be. Uh, like, he was really underutilized in the in the comic just because at that point in time they had so many characters they had to introduce. Yeah, and I think that he, I think that Larry could have written him better if he had a little bit more time to work with him. But yeah, he's awful in the cartoon, and it made me it made me hate the character so much. Yeah. Even even as a kid, when I wasn't really buying into how creepy he was acting towards her, but he's just a he's a, he's a whiny character. He's, he's, yeah, he's worthless. He's just they, they tried to do the, the the thing the hot Rod Rodimus Prime with him to make him like the new yeah you know the yeah. The, the young hot headed kid who learns his lesson and you know it's the Luke Skywalker story for the thousandth time, but <laughs> it just didn't work for me. No, I, I agree. I'm on the same page. I, I just didn't like the character. Uh, let's see. What else, what else have you guys got? Well, so I have, uh, again, I think a one-sided love story, but Lifeline and millionaire heiress Bree. Oh, yeah. Where she is so into him and showering him with gifts i mean tiffany makes a gold-plated swiss army knife who knew and i <laughs> the fact that they even said in the cartoon this box in tiffany blue came for you as a kid <laughs> did any of us know what tiffany blue no. was no <laughs> no i still don't <laughs> <laughs> um and, and i have to say that uh, after again rewatching the the episode to to refresh my my memory, uh, Lifeline is not a jerk in the way that Falcon is, uh, but Lifeline does not come across good in this episode because she is dropping every hint. Uh, ignore the fact that she's sending him pink ambulances or corporate ambulances, bats. whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, every time she does something great for him, he's like. Yeah, but do you know that those soldiers that put their line out there are the ones who are the true heroes? Which is a good message, but he they have him lay the preaching on so thick during the episode. I think I'd that's like, one of the reasons why I like Lifeline so much was because <laughs> he was just like, yeah, he was like, I don't have time for all this. Right? She's like, oh, you saved me. Here, let me give you a kiss. And he's like, did you know starving children in China don't have food? <laughs> and There's a world I need to save. Hang on. I need to turn on some Sarah McLaughlin music while I lecture you some more. Just like, oh. Meanwhile, Mud's honey, crying walk in the away. background. <laughs> Just. Uh, I also One of my have, favorites. 
I, I was gonna say one of my favorites that. was the Star Cross lovers of mainframe and Serana. Yes, yes. Oh, exactly. Yes. That's where I was headed would, next. I, I love like I loved that pairing when I was a kid, and it, it worked its way into my own like headcanon when I was playing with my toys. Yeah, hundred percent, and it lasted too. Like it's something that yeah. wasn't just a one-off, like one episode thing. It came back around. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was she, really well done. The the um, the youth serum, the health club episode, like she was dead on part of that plot. And then when she saw the mainframe was one of the Joes that was affected, she's like, oh, hey, here's where you find the antidote. Like, damn. Yeah, she she lets him off the hook a couple of times. And what one of the things I liked about it so much is we didn't get a ton of characterization out of her aside from her just being... Uh, basically she's one of the dreadnoughts but she's a girl so she's trying to sort of overcompensate in every way like being overly tough overly cool overly whatever uh it's kind of the little sister feel which is great but we didn't get much more than that and we got to see a more human side when in in her dealings with mainframe that made the character a whole lot more interesting than just sort of the bratty little sister Mm-hmm. And again, it was it was an instance of these creators working more than they really had to into these cartoons. And you could tell too because there there were very few female characters that who had uh, who who had figures to sell. Uh, I'll say uh, yeah. on these on these shows. So the ones that they used, they used quite a bit. And she kind of replaced the Baroness as the the character that you saw putting on putting on a mask and, and a wig and infiltrating G.I. Joe a lot. So she probably got a lot more characterization than was originally intended when her figure came out. So it was, it was really nice to see that they were able to not just, you know, have her be a one, like a, just a one dimensional character like they could have done with the, right, with, just a shouting with the female dreadnought. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got one more. Oh, if you guys don't have anything else yeah, so, so there's a few others that were like you know brief that weren't quite as memorable as those well this is the most volatile abusive probably troubling relationship one that there was a deep deep love but it was at times hard to watch mutton junkyard Alpine, Alpine and Bazooka. And bazooka. <laughs> that was going to be mine. <laughs> These guys love each other. Alpine would die for Bazooka and vice versa. But Alpine is so abusive <laughs> towards Bazooka. It is, it's, it's hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> it's funny and that's what it was meant to be was bazooka was the comic relief and they dumbed his character down to the point of like ridiculousness like there's no way he could function as a human being let alone as in this elite military unit uh like he didn't use pronouns basically (laughs) (laughs) but there were more than four words in a sentence 
he lost track. He also liked to carry small boys around in his arms as he established. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as, as sort of, you know, like I said, when I was when I was a kid, it was funny. Now you look at it and you're like, oof, this is a little rough, but I love it, man. I love their friendship. I love, uh, I love that they have these two dudes that they decided were going to be best buds, and that's their story every time. Yep. Hmm. There's one other from the from the uh, the comics that I have to talk about, which was Ripcord and Candy Apple, a.k.a. Bongo the Balloon Bear. Oh my gosh! Yes! Yes. Because and... that one ended tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was it was a very, you know, I mean, it, tying in the, the daughter of essentially the, the head Crimson Guard, uh, you know, who's, it all involves like Zartan, you know, being uh, infiltrating the the pit, and I mean, it was a very multi-level story going on that was really kind of centered around those two characters and their romance. And that I, went on for a few issues. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just yeah. a one and done. Yeah, it, it it went on for a bit, and I'm a little ashamed of myself because that's not on my list because I could remember Candy and her ties to Cobra. I could not remember who her love interest was and I am, I have not been at the top of my game for the past few weeks, been, been knocked out with a little bit of a health concern. Understandable. So I just, I did not have it in me to do the research. So I was like, you know what? There's enough other stuff here. The guys are going to have other stuff. So we'll, we'll be good to go without talking about candy. So I'm, I'm glad you brought (laughs) that up because I did not remember it was ripcord. And it was another one. It's another instance where it's so hard to believe that Larry Hama did not plan at all. Yeah, he just wrote yeah. issue by issue because everything mm-hmm. comes together so well. But I guess that's what made those stories so organic is they were just spinning out of him as time went on. Especially those early stories when he had way more room to play before there were just too many characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah when he was having to invent characters just for the comics because he needed to flesh out this story. Yeah. Right, that was right. a great problem to have going into, you know, having, <laughs> having to come up with characterizations for 40 to 50 new characters every single year as he was tasked to do. All right. Well, uh, listeners, please hit us up on Twitter at GI Joe audible. Tell us your favorite GI Joe relationship and what you think of the ones that we talked about. And, uh, I think it's time to move on to the next segment. All right, and now it is time to go beyond the 80s, where we look at something outside of the core A Real American Hero line. And in this case, uh, I was tasked with coming up with one for this month, and I decided to go to 1997 and uh, chose kind of what was in my head at the time going to be a a return to what I loved so much as a child uh, 15 years before that. 
Uh, and that was the Stars and Stripes Forever uh, eight pack. So if you're if you're not familiar with this, this was a uh, it was at least initially teased as um, the some of the original GI Joe toys that were going to come back to us and and from the initial you got to think back to 1997 it was not quite what it was you didn't have a million resources out there news sites left and right uh, most of what you were getting for 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 toy news was from things like Wizard Toy Fair magazine or previews or something along those lines. So I remember seeing this in Toy Fair sometime in like either late 96 or early 97 and thinking I am running to Toys R Us the day that I, that I find that that's released and I'm going to buy that thing off the shelf. And I can't remember a time where I walked into a toy store and found myself to be so disappointed in a product. <laughs> Because these did not look anything like the original G.I. Joe toys. Most of them most of them had at least some of the original molds, but were in colors that were nowhere near what they should have been. And then there were some that didn't even come close to matching the original source. Like they just could have slapped any name on there. They looked like bootlegs. They didn't even look real. And I, I walked out of that store planning on spending $29.99 or however much it cost that time and walked out empty-handed and have still to this day never owned this set because of that. I, you know, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I remember it being pricey. I had forgotten that aspect of it because I, I did buy it. I believe, and I could be wrong about this. You're right. It was $29.99. Holy cow. That, I mean, for 1997, that's a lot. Um, I believe it was previewed in Toy Fair magazine because Toy Fair launched in 97. And I feel like I remember seeing possibly the picture, the very misleading picture that's on the back of the box. Yep. Which... We are fortunate to still have Yojo as a resource as of now, or at least for this item. Uh, and if you go and look at the box back on here, it is insanely different from the product inside. There are figures on this box back that are not even in the box at all, let alone being like the wrong colors or misrepresentations. But like, this is what flash i get well it's not flash though Fla yeah. well, flash was a was originally supposed to be in the lineup i think they lost the, the they lost the trademark so oh, okay. they went with short fuse instead okay so short fuse it, we're, we're gonna run these down one by one these these awful <laughs> representations of gi well, joe characters some of them i i go back and look at them and there's like one of them that i think is better than the original figure well and I, and i agree but we'll we'll go okay so we've got uh the concept is great if they had delivered what they showed on the back of the box mm -hmm. that would have been awesome mm -hmm. uh but the first thing that jumps out at me looking at these figures as a collection is the rivets seem particularly noticeable on some of them uh, like stalker snake eyes this awful sleeveless guy on the left here who is breaker this is breaker <laughs> yeah come breaker, on yeah, well breaker has uh, it's hawks it's hawks body 
with Gung Ho's arms. Or so yeah, the, the head and legs are Hawk, the, the, the torso is Roadblock, and the arms are Gung Ho. Absolutely rotten. Um, yeah. The only, okay, we'll, we'll go, if, listeners, if you want to follow along on yojo.com, we're just going to go from left to right, taking a look at these. Uh, so Breaker's design is absolutely terrible. His accessories are absolutely terrible. And he's got, for some reason, he has what Short Fuse's laser rifle. It's uh, Flash's laser rifle. Flash's la- which... laser rifle, but nowhere to plug it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the cord just sticks out. And apparently the visor does not stay up on the helmet. Um, they didn't mold it right. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> No, this this is, you know, if you guys want to talk bad about mustache guy who's in charge of the current retro line, at least it's not this. Like this is is even more ridiculous than than what we're getting out of that retro line. Uh, next in line, we've got Grunt, which it blows my mind. This is only the fourth version of Grunt we've gotten. How crazy is that? Like sort of the troop guy in my head, kind of the first Joe, like mm-hmm. the sort of the original. Like this is just this is just a Joe. Yep. Uh, and I will say the camo deco on these, I think, looks great. I just yeah, don't I mean, want you these could do guys... better camo in '97 than you could in '82. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want these guys to have this camo. <laughs> I, well, I also don't like this this weird camo sweater with these plain green trousers it just doesn't it doesn't work how fantastic would he look if his shirt was just the same color as those trousers he'd look great yeah awesome to be actual army fatigues uh but he comes with an ak-47 which makes no sense like no joes should come with an ak they should come no he should have come with the m16 or or i would have accepted the generic joe laser rifle that would have been fine. They could have thrown that in. They could have put eight of those in this, and I would have been fine with that. Or it would have been better. Uh, but overall, Grunt's not terrible. Uh, and then we get to rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Rock and really? <laughs> Who yeah. at least does come with the right machine gun. Yeah. But- the design is just awful. The head is the the least rock and roll head that GI yeah. Hasbro has ever produced. <laughs> yeah, it's he's he's got Hawk's head, so they used that same head twice. Um, which it'd be fine if it was the original, you know, nineteen eighty two Hawk's head they were using for more than one, because that's obviously was used for multiple figures in that year. But and, and it's relatively generic. Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, eighty six ta- hawk. To take an original bearded Joe and rip him out of Beard Squad like that just is not acceptable. No, someone not at decided all. he was not regulation that year. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't hate again. I don't hate this figure's design, but it's but not just not for roll. Yeah, right. Now this Scarlet, I actually kind of like as a variation. This oh. Scarlet is similar to I've got the the Toy Fair two pack that was Scarlet, was right? Saying, yeah. Right. And it's a very similar color scheme to that one. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's 
the orange is a little weird, but I mean, well, it's, it's I, I just, not my I least like favorite as, one of this. I like it as something different. Like it's a cool, right. different scarlet. It's it's a variant, and I like it for that. Like maybe this is like almost sort of a night force scarlet type. Yeah, thing. I do like the darker tones. Yeah, of yeah, the colors. Cool. And uh, she's got the crossbow. So she's that's got good. the crossbow. It's fine. Uh, at the time, I would have preferred scarlet and just original colors, and and even now I would because then I could just sort of fake that out in my collection instead of the <laughs> scarlet I got that exploded when I tried to screw the torso together. But, uh, but yeah, this this is cool. This is one of the better ones in the set, I think. Uh, and then Sergeant Zap, because you can't just call him Zap. They, I I so do. What, one of the benefits of GI Joe is sometimes when they lose the trademark, they can just throw a rank in front of it, and yeah. it's it's okay. And they did it with Transformers a few times, like Agent Jazz or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's not a problem. But yeah, someone, uh, someone missed with the airbrush gun on this one is all I can say. Yeah, his camo does not look good. And just like Grunt, if his shirt had just been the same color of his, as his trousers, uh, he'd look really cool. I'd like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does. Oh, I my note on his shirt is, are these bazooka burns? <laughs> so I was thinking he's the mechanic working on the vehicles. He's just all greasy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and that's not bad, actually. If I ever get around to making a big pit diorama for my vintage Joes, I'm going to stick him in the garage. <laughs> He's going to be the garage guy. He's going to be the grease monkey. Uh, he does come with the correct accessories, at least. And he's not molded in that same green color, so his thumbs are probably less uh, prone to breaking oh. than the original Zap. Right. <laughs> they're, they're just, unfortunately, at the ends of those hideous shirt sleeves. <laughs> Uh, short fuse is next up uh, again not not bad i wish his pants were just the color of his shirt yeah at least it's less of a it's less of a variation than some of the other ones but i yeah i don't know why they couldn't have just kept him with one color just because this is the classic uh they they knew they they could do it but they didn't stop to think should they <laughs> should <do> they yes. <laughs> uh, but this is weird because he comes with the mortar and the bazooka yeah, and the and the same backpack that uh, that Zap came with. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. He's a, he has a lot of accessories, and for some reason he's a redhead. Yeah, well, you, you throw your gingers in there where you can. Yeah. Uh, Snake Eyes, aside from the rivets, is pretty much perfect. He he's basically just a better painted version of the original Snake Eyes. Yeah, Snake Eyes is one yeah. of the two in this set that I like probably better than the original version just because he's got he's not just one color he does have some some detailing with those those gray pockets and the visor nice little silver belt buckle like he, he looks good yeah. i like the snake eyes he's cool uh and then i also really like stalker stalker mm -hmm. is my favorite of this set his his camo pattern because i love the original stalker a because he had a he had a beret but also because he had this amazing camo but that camo looks you know pales in comparison to the camo deco on this one yeah yeah this is a great looking figure i really like it um this is the way i always imagine stalker to look in my head well this i mean this is basically how he looked in the comics mm -hmm. yep. yeah he had the more detailed camo like this this figure looks really great uh and he got he got a uh, he got a backpack which he didn't have in the original figure. 
Yeah, he only had I was surprised going through the vintage Joe's when I was like when I went to look it up. I was like, this stalker came with a gun. That's it. Yeah. Which they made it up, you know, with that other release where he came with a freaking kayak and a pile of other stuff. <laughs> so there's that at least, which I, I like that stalker. But one of these days we'll do a uh America's Elite on Stalker, and that'll be a whole episode. Yeah. Uh so the box itself, like we said, the back is completely insane. Uh, the the figures look nothing like this. Breaker doesn't have a helmet. The landscape is all nice and painted. Uh, Flash, or I guess that's short fuse, but not in the set. The correct rock and roll is on the box, which makes well, wonder. not really. Well, th- th- okay, they gave him it's, the camo pants. A, a better yeah. rock and roll than this. Yeah. One. Which does make me now think, oh, that's where the idea for the 25th anniversary came from. Because yeah. when his first release had the camo pants and we were like, that's not what his first figure looked like. But It's funny how th- we keep track of this stuff, but somehow the companies that make them don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a bizarre thing to me. Like, when it's, it's like the... Uh, what was it? The Target exclusive, the twelve-inch figures. What the heck? Hall Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. How those were based on the later looks for some reason, rather mm-hmm. than going back to the original GI Joe looks that I think would have sold like crazy. Like what? Who who makes these decisions? Hasbro. <laughs> Weird stuff. Uh, and also the bizarre. same people that paint fifty-six stars. Sculpted 56 right. stars, yeah, right. but right. painted 50 of them to try and cover up the error. And Which I is, still it is th- this it is, is why our generation can't find Idaho on a map. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it probably was not uh, molded in the United States. I don't know. Right, right. They had less concern about the number of stars on the American flag. And I've still got that flag and the little tassel, too. Uh, I've, I've got every part of this set. Uh, well, probably still. the best part of this set is the base. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's very, very cool. It's got foot pegs, uh, so you can actually uh, do a lot of posing with the flag, like try and recreate the the back of the box you you could you could even put the actual correct figures in this thing if you wanted to (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but the weirdest thing is there's a kenner logo on the box yep and that was well that was right when hasbro was taking some of their older lines because when transformers launched beast wars it was under the kenner banner so hasbro wanted kenner to kind of be their their nostalgia line because they had Star Wars coming out around this time. They yeah, had yeah. Transformers relaunching with Beast Wars. They were doing G.I. Joe again. And they wanted, for some reason, they decided that Kenner was going to be their go-to brand for nostalgia properties. And Hasbro was going to be new product. Um, which, obviously, they they absorbed the Kenner name and just completely debranded that by, I think, like, I think it was by like 98. It was well, gone. they're using it again now, though, because it's on the yep. Star Wars Vintage Collection stuff, which is cool. Uh so on eBay, this set mint in box goes from eighty to one hundred and forty bucks. Those were the the most recent sold prices that I saw. The main figures like uh, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Stalker sell for up to forty bucks, and then the other figures go for around fifteen. 
So this is not Still like it's not so yeah it's not some hunk of garbage that people don't care about because I was actually considering the reason I went and looked and I was I was like you know what just because this is such a weird piece of GI Joe history and because I did go to the store I did buy it because it was GI Joe I wouldn't mind having one mint in box I figured I'd be able to pick it up for probably thirty bucks because I figured nobody would want it. Uh, but no, that is not the case. It does have, it does carry some value and even broken up loose. Well, and I uh, think part of that too, is because it comes with accessories that are indistinguishable from the original ones. Yeah. The helmets uh, and the visors. Well, and specifically yeah. it's, it's rocket rolls, um, tripod or his bipod his for gun. the machine gun. Yeah. His bipod for the machine yeah. gun because yeah, yeah. that piece alone can go for 15 or 20 bucks. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I'm sure that's, that's part of it. Um, let me see if I've got any more notes here. No. Okay. Here's, here's the last thought that I had. I remember when I bought mine, it was a pretty big display. Like there, I would say a good 12 square feet of this, you know, maybe two side by side and all the way from the top of the shelf to the bottom, you know, to the floor. I remember there being a lot, but I don't remember them warming shelves. I don't feel like they hung around forever like you might think they would. Do you, do you guys have a recollection of that at all? I kind of remember them being there for a while. Do you? Because I, 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 I could be wrong about that. I don't know if they ever went on clearance because if they did, I might have bought them back See, in that's 1997. What I, I'm, I'm thinking they didn't make it to clearance. But Toys R Us didn't, Toys R Us didn't clearance no, a lot really of stuff, didn't. especially not exclusive product. Because mm-hmm. there were a couple of those Transformers re- releases that sat on shelves for a long time and never got clearanced. Yeah, yeah, Toys R Us like four or five years. They would just sit on product forever. Mm-hmm. Because I remember it being bizarre to me uh, when I would go up to Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, the Toys R Us by my grandparents up there. They actually had a clearance section and would put stuff in it pretty regularly, and there would be things that were sitting on the shelf here for years that they would clearance out and actually move inventory out. So I don't know if that was a store by store thing or region thing or, or what the deal was, but yeah, Toys R Us here in, in the Atlanta area, they would just keep stuff forever. Yeah. I was out of Joe by this point. Um, and I really don't remember seeing it. Um, and in 97 Orlando, Man, off the top of my head, I can think of three Toys R Uses that I used to hit on a regular basis. And that's not to say that it wasn't there, but I don't remember it having a big real estate that it ever stuck out. Well, and these, if I'm if I'm remembering right, these were the precursor to the actual relaunch of G.I. Joe, where they were doing the three packs. And mm-hmm. the like vehicle packs and stuff like that, that, that was like the real, oh, this is the good stuff. Even though it still wasn't quite the paint designs that I wanted, yeah. they were good figures and good new versions of the classic characters that weren't like the nineties bright colors that turned me off so much. Well, well and this is, this is one of the, one of the main reasons why I chose this to begin with and kind of you're you're actually leading me right into it i had been out of gi joe i i had my but i i stopped collecting in 80 
687 really right. everything beyond that was just a little too far out there so when i saw this and i was starting to get into collecting toys a little bit more as an adult i was you know 22 years old at this point in time i was i was like well this is this is going to lead me back into gi joe this is great right so disappointed in what i what they gave us that i actually did not care about collecting G.I. Joe for the years going forward. Oh, no. And in, and in hindsight, I look back because I just, uh, the dial tone that we talked about, I just bought that dial tone Tomahawk uh, two pack. It was released in 2000. It was three years after this. And it was yeah. really a direct result of this marketing campaign that had just come out in, you know, in, in 97, which pretty much relaunched the line. But I missed so many of those packs and so many of those those figures who they they may not have been the original color scheme but a lot of them look really really good there's some great stuff from 97 um until well and i have a soft spot for like spy troops and valor versus venom and stuff as well but from 97 up until the launch of i guess it was spy troops there was some great stuff in the original o-ring style Mm-hmm. some really really good figures that i'm gonna have to figure out how and where to display back here because they they need to be out there's it's just cool stuff man Welcome to Knowing is Half the Babble, where we each get a little bit of time to talk about anything that we want to talk about. Christian, you want to kick us off this month? Yeah, I really don't have a whole lot to say other than my gosh, it seems like we'll go through sort of a drought of G.I. Joe news. And then the floodgate opens up in this past week. It has just been boom, boom, boom. Like every single day, we're all texting each other. Did you see this? Did you see this? So, uh, yeah, let's keep that faith alive and get more product out there. Well, and we just earlier today, speaking of G.I. Joe news, the uh, Fang, the Retro Fang pre-order went, Noel shot a message, Fang pre-order is back up. So in the event that Walmart is up to their old tricks and cancels your original Fang pre-order, put another one in. Learn my lesson. (laughs) Worst case scenario, you end up with a Fang or two extra, Uh, which I didn't do. I'm going to, I I have had better luck than most thus far with my Walmart pre-orders. So I'm going to hang in there and hope that I get my original two Fangs. February 16th. That's our supposed. That's what they're saying. Knock on wood. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, my item, I was on Amazon because I'll often hop on Amazon or eBay and just put in GI Joe and just scroll through and see what comes up. And I found, I'm holding these up for you guys. The listeners will not be able to see them. These GI Joe vinyl wall decals. Ah, uh, yes, I have seen those. Uh, just on Amazon, this is a, a new product. Again, one of the things probably intended to pop out when the movie, when Snake Eyes was coming out. Uh, from roommatesdecor.com, who have a wide range of licensed vinyl wall decals. Uh, but what's so weird, this is four different sheets 
of stickers and the stickers look like they're about 10 to 12 inches high they're reusable and you've got the original character art for snake eyes version two with timber cobra commander storm shadow scarlet and duke uh and then you have snake eyes a very a smaller version of snake eyes from the cover of uh Oh, what was the issue? It was when Marvel was doing their anniversary and every comic that came out had all of the Marvel characters around the border. Oh, yeah. It's that image Mm -hmm. of Snake Eyes holding the Uzi up. Yep. It has that. And then it has completely random vehicle uh, logos. It's got the Sky Striker emblem, um, the Snowcat emblem, the Polar... uh, Polar battle battle bear. Polar battle bear. Thank you. I couldn't get battle bear out. (laughs) Uh, Like just a really weird assortment of vehicle logos. And then a Cobra sigil, a GI Joe logo. Uh, Just lots of weirdly random stuff thrown on here. There's a Rattler, but like no other vehicles. (laughs) It's just a bizarre assortment. It was way overpriced. I paid 17 bucks for it. Wow. But it's something I just felt like I really wanted to have just to as part of the modern gi joe weirdness that we're seeing right from now. the size of the box how how big would you say that well, the figures stick on are folded up in here uh-huh. um each there are four different sheets each sheet of decals is 17 by 9 so okay. well i'm gonna i'm gonna open it so it doesn't matter anyway uh let's live unboxing here on the show audio version for those audio <laughs> version not to make watching. it extra exciting for the <laughs> listeners um he's peeling the tape so he's opening the flap these are oh way to go stupid background so i mean that's a pretty decent size yeah, yeah it's about yeah. it's about those hand are hand size and they they're beautiful the colors are great are great but but look at the random logos that are on these things (laughs) how large that polar battle bear symbol is compared to the cobra sigil oh no i've got two sheets of oh no wait that's duke how did what what just happened okay (laughs) so there's duke oh come on With uh, the snow cat. Oh, and oh the, wait, there's a little comic panel right there. Yeah, and the audible interlude. Yeah. Yet, yet another snake eyes. Can't have enough snake eyes. Silent interlude. Sorry. Um, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Right. Then, oh man, that's on the floor now. I've uh, got Scarlet, the Dreadnoughts logo, the Rattler, then little Scarlet and Snake Eyes star going on there hmm, boy these 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 smell wonderful oh fresh <laughs> fresh vinyl fresh out of the vinyl pack. yeah uh and then uh, finally we've got storm shadow and cobra commander on the same sheet cobra cobra the enemy oh my gosh that's like oh, that the says six... dreadnoughts the enemy yeah that's but weird. still there's like almost every sheet i feel like has had a cobra enemy tag yeah they did they you know what i gotta respect them for throwing them in there to fill up space and then we've got a cool little star with uh, snake eyes and storm shadow 
not fighting, but teamed up, it looks like. Only Storm Shadow is blue. Hmm. And I can't, there we go. <laughs> a little blue Storm Shadow there for you. So this is, like I said, this is just a weird, neat item that I found. And I, <laughs> a, a, an order that was maybe a little late at night. Maybe I was a little uh, you know, <laughs> out of it. It's amazing how much more money you spend on eBay and Amazon after a couple of cocktails. Oh, right. Or, or at two in the morning. Yeah. Or, or both. Yeah. Uh, all right, Noel, what you got? So uh, in in talking about our last uh, our last segment, uh, it reminded me of Toy Fair magazine and how like I was trying to remember how long it had been since Toy Fair and Wizard in general stopped being published, and it was about ten years to the day. Uh, it was January of two thousand and eleven oh. that we last saw Toy Fair magazine, and I was and I was like. I want because I at one point in time I had every issue of Toy Fair ever released. So did and, I. And, mm-hmm. and and I well and you probably lost yours to tragedy. I lost I mine did. to a different tragedy, which was I decided some time ago, uh, I only have eleven hundred square feet in my house. I have oh. to start getting rid of some things. So I was I went through and I was reading my old Toy Fairs, and when I was done, I was like, I'm just gonna get rid of them. Did no. that with a few other publications as well that I had box and boxes of and you know, they, they say it's good to clean out. Marie Kondo will tell you to, you know, to, to clean clean stuff out every once in a while. She Don't lies. Ho- hoard your stuff forever. Never I did find sell anything. <laughs> I did find, however, um, one of the few old issues that I still have um, was from May of 98. And there's a great, if you if anybody still has that issue, it's got Batman and, and um, Robin on the cover uh, from the Kenner Collection. And it's got a fantastic interview with Larry Hama in it. Oh, nice. Um, where he actually breaks down the things that he loved about G.I. Joe and the characters that he hated. So he talked about the characters that were too weird for him. He, he despised Sergeant Slaughter. He despised the fridge. He never used the fridge. Oh. He despised having to use Serpentor. How dare he? Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's more. a good read. I, it's, <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why I hung on to that issue in particular is because yeah. it had that interview in there. Um, but yeah, check well, it out if you Noel, get a chance to. R- remind me, uh, you know, once everyone is vaccinated and we're through this pandemic and we're we're back to uh, Dragon Con, because I don't have my individual Toy Fair issues, but I did cling to my Twisted Toy Fair theater collections. Oh, and nice. I will donate them to your cause. <laughs> I think I still have some of those because they were in with my comic long boxes. Okay. But it also re- reminds me too, I think most people don't everybody knows what robot chicken is. Yeah. Nobody knows where robot chicken came from. Right. And it was from the pages of toy fair magazine. Cause it was Tom yep. root and those guys at Bat Sinrike who were working with, with Seth green just to basically take twisted toy fair theater and put it on national television. And it became a huge phenomenon for a few years there. Had its own toy line. Yeah. Which is insane. Like the fact that they went from being a toy parody comic strip to a tv show known by like my mom knew what robot chicken was yeah and a toy line in toys r us that's amazing well that is a great place to wrap it up you guys uh thank you for once again sitting down to talk about the thing we all love gi joe uh all of our music is by andy samford of electricminnowmusic.com uh please do check us out on instagram at audible interlude podcast and on twitter at gi joe audible 
And uh, you guys, please put over your social media handles. No, you go uh, first. So uh, I, I'm not really uh, do a social media thing, but uh, you can find uh, dorkdroppings.com is a site that I've been maintaining for uh, almost a quarter of a century now. Um, and uh, I also work, of course, as I mentioned many times with The Finest. If you ever thought about uh, joining The Finest, the G.I. Joe costuming group, uh, we're actually doing some, uh, some Zoom meetings now through The Finest Recruitment Center. So you can actually talk to some of our members, uh, get some, some tips about, uh, you know, maybe coming up with some costume ideas and, and uh, work towards uh, getting, getting to be a member. Very cool. Awesome. And you can find my toy photography on Flickr.com and Instagram under the handle Legion Cub. All right. Well, that was another great one, you guys. The only thing left to say is Yo Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.